It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Tuesday. Welcome into Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. I hope you listened to me yesterday. I told you to get out and do something. Golf, fish, walk around, jog. I don't jog. That's a waste of energy. Walk around the neighborhood. Do whatever you can do because it was going to get cold. Leaves are falling. They are falling fast outside right now. Just outside the studio. Dave, your your car is covered in yellow leaves right now. So get ready for that when you leave. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open. 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation. 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show at that number, 414-1450. I can feel the cold front coming in. The skies are threatening. The wind is blowing. The leaves are falling. 60 the high tomorrow. Is that right? 60? And I said this yesterday, my wife controls the air conditioner. I have no, there's actually a lock on it that doesn't allow me without a password to get in, and she won't tell me the password. It has been turned on and off, I would guess, four or five times in the last two weeks. Yep, it's getting cold. Let's turn it off. Ooh, I'm burning up. Let's turn it on. It is on as we speak. And by the way, she's out of town. So if it gets to 20 degrees tonight, that my air conditioner is still going to be on because I can't get in to turn it off. Ah, first world problems. First world problems. Welcome to the show already in progress. Bears beat the Patriots last night. I, I didn't expect a lot yesterday. Going to that game last night, all right, it's football. I got to watch it. I got to talk about it tomorrow. It's the Bears. The Bears are two and four. They stink. The Patriots, all right, they're 3-3. Three and three. They're trying to hang in the AFC East. They're trying to hang in there. Um, you know, they're not very good. Who the, who's the quarterback? Is Mac Jones going to play? Is Bailey Zappi going to start? All right, I guess I'll watch. It was very entertaining. Now, we've seen some games on Thursday night and on Monday night, for that matter, that were just not very much fun to watch. Last night was different. The over-under was 40. So I expected something in the line of a New England win by a score of something like 24 to 14. Probably not going to go over. These two teams don't exactly light up the scoreboard. And then the Bears come out and score 33 points last night. First 10 of the game, last 23 of the game. Lighten up the scoreboard. A lot of field goals. Justin Fields was okay. He was 13 of 21 for 179 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He had 82 rushing yards and a touchdown as well. But I don't know what the Bears have. I don't know if the Bears know what the Bears have in Justin Fields because he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. David Montgomery running back. Mooney, the wide receiver. Name, name another wide receiver. Cole Komet, the Notre Dame tight end. They don't have a lot of weapons here. They just don't. 
So it's hard to tell what your quarterback is and what your first-round pick quarterback can be if you don't put any weapons around him. And, and this happens a lot. The reason these teams get great quarterbacks is because they finished in the bottom quarter of the NFL, the bottom third of the NFL, and they're not very good. So you draft a quarterback first, second, third, fourth overall, they're not going to a good team. Unless there's been a trade, they're not going to a good team. Lamar Jackson went 32nd. He was the last pick of the first round. It's the best thing that ever happened to him. He went to an organization that was built to win, ready to win, did win, and they plugged him right in. No, he didn't get first pick money. He didn't. He's going to get plenty of money. I remember that night watching the draft, and he's in the green room, and it's a little embarrassing because you're one of the last guys left, and you still haven't been drafted, and you keep looking at your phone. When is somebody going to call me? Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be in the top half of the first round. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be in the top 20. Oh, my gosh, all of a sudden, I may not be a first-round pick. And you can see it on their faces. It is raw, true emotion in the moment. And then he gets the call from Baltimore. The commissioner goes up with the 32nd pick. The Ravens take Lamar Jackson. By the way, former Heisman winner. He didn't say that. From Louisville, quarterback. And he comes up and he's, he's dejected. But he should have been ecstatic. Because he didn't get chosen by the Houston Texans. Or the Detroit Lions. Or a team that had no chance. He came to an already winning football team in a football organization that is well put together. Justin Fields of the Bears does not have that. He doesn't. So we don't know how good he can be. He reminded me a little bit of Lamar Jackson last night. Now, nobody is as elusive as Lamar Jackson, but he was close last night. Justin Fields made guys miss. And Bill Belichick defenses don't miss very often. They don't. But that's what happened last night. And that's why the Bears gave Chicago fans a glimmer of hope last night. Hey, we're 3-4. and four. We beat the Patriots at their place. We're in a bad division. The Packers are not nearly as good as anybody thought they were going to be. In fact, they may be the biggest disappointment in the NFL right now. The Lions only have one win. Sure, the Vikings are 5-1, and one, but we're, we're in second place here. We're tied for second with the Packers. Got, something, got a little something going on here. You got the Cowboys next week in Dallas. All right, another good defense. You beat Dallas in Dallas. Okay, now you have my attention. Now you've got my attention. But that was fun to watch last night. They were fun to watch last night. And as far as New England goes, Bill Belichick says it was the plan all along to play both quarterbacks. Mac Jones coming off the ankle injury. Didn't practice. Wanted to play. Was he ready? Well, he played three series, threw an interception, didn't play well, and he got pulled for Bailey Zappi, the Western Kentucky product. Bailey Zappi, 2-0 in his two career starts. He's still 2-0 in his two career starts because he didn't start last night. But Mac Jones is now 2-7 and seven in his last nine starts. 
not good. Zappi was 14 of 22, 185 yards, a touchdown, two picks. And Bill Belichick is mum. He does not want to tell you who is going to start next week in uh, New Jersey against the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The two-loss New York Jets. He doesn't want you to know. He didn't want you to know who he doesn't want you to know anything. He doesn't want you to know what the weather's going to be like. He doesn't want you to know what color jerseys they're going to wear next week. He's Bill Belichick, who, by the way, is a 77% winning coach when Tom Brady is his quarterback. He is a 41% winning percentage coach when Tom Brady is not his quarterback. Seems to lend a lot of credence. Remember when Brady left and went to Tampa Bay? The question was, who's going to miss whom the more, the most? Who, who, who got it done all those years? Was it Belichick or was it Brady? I believe it was a combo platter. But if you got to take sides, right now you'd say, well, it was Brady. He's won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has not won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. In fact, he's under 500 without Tom Brady. Bailey Zappi had a great collegiate career, including his last year at Western Kentucky. He had a great career. Can, can throw it all over the yard. Has the size, has the arm, has the game to be an NFL quarterback. But he's a fourth-round draft pick. Mac Jones, first-round pick from Alabama. Bailey Zappi, fourth-round pick from Western Kentucky. There's a difference there, not only financial, but perception-wise. Who's the better quarterback? We're paying Mac Jones a lot of money here, first-round pick. He went to Alabama. He doesn't throw interceptions. They threw one last night. Great, great defensive play, by the way. So who do you start? Are you still 100% on the Mac Jones train? If you're Bill Belichick, if you're Robert Kraft, if you're the hierarchy in New England, are you 100%? Because you either have to be 100% on Mac Jones or you're looking to move on. There's no 80%. Well, you know what? Four out of five days a week, I want Mac Jones to be my starter. But boy, that fifth day, I really like this kid Zappy. The New England fans told you who they like last night. Mac Jones was booed, and there was a palpable roar in the crowd when Bailey Zappi came in to play quarterback. And he delivered. He delivered. First two drives, two touchdowns. New England takes a 14 to 10 lead. And it was it was uh, wildly crazy in Foxborough. The crowd, and I know it's a Monday night. You've been uh, in your cups all afternoon long, tailgating. Everybody was jacked up. Didn't last long. Didn't last long. And Chicago wins it 33-14. to Both teams are now 3-4 and four on the season. Remember, it's a 17-game schedule. A long way to go here. 3-4 and four for New England. Okay, you're a game behind Miami. You're way behind Buffalo. Nobody's going to catch Buffalo. Are you in the playoff hunt? Because the AFC and the NFC are different. The AFC, 
got Buffalo, you got Kansas City. I'm throwing the Bengals in there. You got the Ravens. You've got the Chargers, question mark. Somebody's got to win the AFC South, so throw the Titans in there. The Jets are ahead of you. So if you're New England, are you a playoff team? The Bears are closer to being a playoff team today than the Patriots are. Yesterday, that statement would have been reversed. Chicago goes into New England, wins, wins impressively, and they're in the easier conference. When you look at the NFC, you got the Eagles. You got the Buccaneers, believe it or not, even though they're three and four. The Seahawks lead the West. The Vikings are five and one. But it's wide open. Giants, six and one. Dallas, five and two. Do you have to win? The, a, the uh, NFC North to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you probably do. And right now, it's complete advantage Minnesota Vikings. But the Bears are now playing for something. They're playing for a playoff berth. And yesterday, I would never have thought that was possible. New England was eight and a half point favorite last night. And you know where my money went. I love favorites. I love favorites, and I love the over. I love the over more than I love the favorite. So I had the over. Just... But I also had the favorite, and that was a mistake. New England's in trouble. Bears are probably not good enough to get to the playoffs. But considering the kind of football we've watched on Monday nights and Thursday nights for most of this season, it was a very exciting and unexpectedly exciting game last night. The other NFL news is your Indianapolis Colts have decided to bench Matt Ryan. Now, it's interesting how they announced it. You bring in Matt Ryan, who is the third now in a string of quarterbacks that didn't work out. Didn't work out. Started with Phillip Rivers. All right. Late in his career. Didn't work out. Brought in Carson Wentz. Okay, rebirth here. He was great with the Eagles early. He got hurt. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Took that job over. It's time for Carson Wentz to get a chance. Didn't work out. And now Matt Ryan. Again, twilight of his career. Former MVP. But he turned the ball over way too much. Both fumbling it and throwing interception. He's down with a shoulder injury. Now it would have been easier and probably smarter for the Colts to come out and say, Sam Ellinger is going to start on Sunday. We're going to sit Matt Ryan at least at least until his shoulder is back to being where it needs to be. Instead of what the Colts did, which is say, we're sitting Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger is our quarterback for the rest of the season. We're going to give him a shot, see what he's got. Now, you're not the Lions, okay? You're not one in five. You're not... The Houston Texans, who have only one win. You are the Indianapolis Colts, who are 3-3-1, three, three and one, one game behind the Tennessee Titans, who are 4-2. and two. You just lost to Tennessee 19-10 to on Sunday, but you're a game out of first place. 
in a division that also includes Jacksonville, who's two and five, and Houston, who's one, four, and one. You are in the playoff picture here. So why would you commit so vociferously to saying Sam Ellinger is going to be our quarterback for the rest of the season? Why? What if Sam Ellinger comes out and plays terrible? And let's say you win one of the two games, next two games, and he does not play well. And Tennessee goes one and one as well. You're still a game back. What if that happens? And now Matt Ryan's healthy. Obviously, um, Sam Ellinger wasn't ready if he plays poorly. What do you do? What do you do? You bring Matt Ryan back? Because you've already said Sam's going to be the starter the rest of the year. It was really dumb to come out and say it that way. Even if you feel that that's what you're going to do, if you're committed to doing that, why tell the world? Why tell everybody? First of all, it's a disservice to Matt Ryan. He deserves better. Right? He deserves a little better than that, a little more respect than that. And secondly, this could blow up in your face. You could get to a point where, whether it's an injury or the way Ellinger's playing, you could get to the point where you say, well, we got, we got to put Matt, Matt Ryan back in. But you've already told the world. And Matt Ryan, we have no confidence in Matt Ryan. Super Bowl quarterback, former MVP, brought him in here, and we allowed him to play exactly seven games. Less than half of a season. The Colts have the Commanders this week. Then they're at New England, at the Raiders. Next three games. I mean, they could go two and one there. I don't think there's any question they could go two and one there. And when you look at Tennessee, they've already had their bye. They're at the Texans this week. Should win that. Then they go to Kansas City. Eh, probably not going to win that one. Before you get the Broncos at home and at Green Bay, you got the Bengals still on the schedule. To me, the Colts folded their hand here in Texas Hold'em way too early. Way too early. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. How can Kentucky hang with Tennessee this week? Well, we'll try to explore that. Some more NFL news. NBA as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. The big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports. Presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline open 384 1450 to join in on the conversation. 502 384 1450. Thornton's text line open as well. Get your text into the show at that number, 414-1450. No show coming up this Thursday. Bellarmine basketball right here on the Big X Thursday. The Knights under Coach Scott Davenport take on the Center Colonels exhibition game. It is Education Day out of Freedom Hall, so the game going to start at 11 a.m. You can hear all the action. Doug Orme, Mark Bug will bring you the action right here on the Big X. Kindergarten through eighth graders. Uh, encouraged to come out on Thursday. Hey, if you're uh, a school administrator, what a great field trip 
Freedom Hall, historic Freedom Hall, over on Phillips Lane, Preston Highway. And uh, you'd see the Knights and the Colonels in exhibition basketball, and you can hear that action right here on the Big X Thursday morning, 11 o'clock. Back to the Colts. Now, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't. The Colts are, are killing me. Look, I'm a Titans fan, but I have a, a place in my heart for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning are not walking through that door. They are not walking through that door. And when Andrew Luck walked out of that door, it feels like he jinxed the franchise because they've tried some different dudes. Jacoby Brissett, I mentioned Phillip Rivers. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Who's next on the acquisition list for the Indianapolis Colts? They're going to get Tom Brady, right, when he's 47 or 48. You know, Tom Brady who probably wishes he'd stayed retired. That's what they're going to get eventually off the scrap heap. The Jets, by the way, are all in here. The Jets are all in. And I love that the Jets are all in. They are 5-2, and two, if my memory is correct. They are a half game behind the Buffalo Bills. And they are a playoff contender. Now, they lost their rookie running back, Brees Hall. He had a 62-yard touchdown run Sunday in the Jets' win over the Broncos. And later in the game, he tore his ACL. That is devastating. But the Jets went right out and got James Robinson from Jacksonville. James Robinson is a quality running back. Quality running back. But he had lost reps in Jacksonville because the Jaguars got Travis Etienne, the former Clemson running back, to go with his former teammate, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. ATM was hurt last year. He's healthy now. He's getting most of the reps in Jacksonville. So the Jaguars were able to let James Robinson go to the Jets. And I give the Jets credit. One day after the injury, they went out and got somebody. Said, hey, we're in this race. Robert Sala, the head coach, got booed last year in his his, uh, freshman season as the head man of the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. He's doing a great job this year. Coach of the year right now, it's a a New York split. Brian Daybowl of the Giants, Robert Sala of the Jets. They went out and got James Robinson. So, great move here. I love it. Play on. The, I don't know why this is news, news in the NFL this week, is the two referees asking Tampa Bay wide receiver Mike Evans for his autograph in the tunnel at the stadium. I think it was after the game. I haven't been able to get any clarity on when this happened. And full disclosure, to be fair to everybody involved here, the NFL has a rule against this. I'm a media member, okay? I go to the UofL football game on Saturday. Game's over, press conferences, Look, I'm not going to ask Scott Satterfield for his autograph. I'm not going to ask Jack Harlow to take a picture with me, even though he was there in the locker room after the game. I'm not going to do that. 
There's a professional code of conduct that you have to have if you're allowed to be a media member at, at these events. And media members know it. They don't normally take advantage of this stuff. I have seen certain media members get autographs or pictures with certain celebrities slash athletes. But I'm not going to do that because it seems unethical to me. But the NFL, even though there's no media rule, the NFL does have a rule that says officials do not get autographs or pictures or memorabilia from players or coaches. Pretty simple rule, right? Well, two officials were caught on video. And remember, video speaks a lot more than audio does getting an autograph from Mike Evans. And it appeared to be after the game. A game that, by the way, the Buccaneers lost 21-3 to Carolina, and Evans dropped a wide-open, huge pass early in the game that would have given the Buccaneers the lead. It might have been a different game. But he was courteous enough when the official yelled for him to stop, turn around, go back, take the paper, sign it, whatever. And I think it was after the game. It's not clear. It could have been... Pre-game warm-ups, he's coming off the field to go in the locker room for last-minute instructions, and they stop him. Um, I'm sure it wasn't at halftime, but it could have been pre-game or post-game. Now, this is all the, – the problem the NFL has with this, and I get it, is all about gambling. It's all about gambling. The perception has to be that there is no chicanery during a football game. Remember Tim Donaghy, the referee in the NBA, who was uh, making calls and telling telling betters who, who was uh, going to get the favorable calls that night? Look, that NFL doesn't want anything to do with that. The NBA got a big scarlet letter when that happened. Fans have to be confident that everything is on the up and up in these major sports. They have to be confident of it. Because if they're not, DraftKings, point bets, whoever it is, casinos, sports books worldwide are going to take a beating. The fans have to know it's legit. So the slightest perception that maybe something could be amiss is kryptonite for the, the gambling business. So to get an autograph from Mike Evans after the game doesn't seem like a big deal to you and me. You know, what's the big deal? Game's over. They already called the game. They're getting his autograph. Well, okay. How about the next time that crew works a Tampa Bay game, Mike Evans goes up to one of these two guys before the games and says, well, I hope I, hope I get a couple of those uh, defensive holding calls today. Remember when I signed your autograph? Remember when I signed that football for you? I sure would like to get a couple of the, they're holding me. They're going to be holding me out there. Make sure you see that. And all of a sudden, a call is made, right or wrong, that could change the game. And the perception from the average fan is that's the referee that got the autograph from Evans. That's why Evans got the call. That's why I lost my money on that game. You cannot have that in professional or collegiate sports. You can't have it. So while a simple, hey, Mike, my grandson's a big fan, could you sign this piece of paper for me, seems 
simple and not harmful at all in the grand scheme of things it is. And there's a reason that the NFL has a rule against doing it. There's a reason. I would like to know if it was for sure after the game because I'd feel a lot better if it was after the game. It's before the game I got a problem with. Because even though these referees are professionals, there is a subconscious to everybody. And if you're out there calling the game and you see Mike Evans, in the back of your mind, something there is telling you, it was really nice of him to sign those autographs earlier. Oh, there's a penalty. Did I really see a penalty? Or am I throwing it because it's Mike Evans? This, this is getting a lot of run here. A lot of run. And speaking of perception, Adam Silver, NBA, this is called a segue, by the way. Adam Silver trying to uh, guard against teams tanking in the NBA. Why would teams tank in the NBA this season? Two words, Victor Wembayamba. Let me try that again. Victor Wembanyama. That was better. He is the seven foot three, seven foot four, seven foot two, depending on who you ask. Ball handling shooter, a little thicker than Chet Holmgren with just as good a shot, just as good a stroke from outside, better ball handling. And he is the prize of the draft this coming NBA summer, NBA uh, draft. And Adam Silver's warning these teams already. Look, can't be tanking. Greg Popovich of the Spurs said before the season, we are going to be terrible. We are going to be awful. Anybody that bets on us to win anything has to have their head examined. I'm paraphrasing. That's basically what he said. You don't want to hear that from your head coach. Now, Pops won NBA titles. He had the big three of Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Add David Robinson to the mix there for part of that, uh, part of that era. And he's been around forever. And he was just being honest. Look, I look at my roster, and I got Jakob Pertl. Right? I got Jakob Pertl. Don't expect us to win a lot of games. Full disclosure, the Spurs are 3-1. and one. Right? They won their first three games of the season. Or they won three of their first four, excuse me. Beat Minnesota 115-106 to last night. Devin Vassell, remember him? Florida State had 23 for the Spurs last night. Adam Silver is now concerned the teams are going to tank and try to get the number one pick. And we're four games into the season. Some, some teams are three games into the season. And this is what we're talking about. Now, the draft procedures have changed. If you're the worst team in the league, if you go 0-82, then you will have a 14% chance to get the number one overall pick. It doesn't seem like much, but it's the highest probability that there is of teams eligible to get the first-round pick. Obviously, 14% is better than 8%. Some teams are 1%. Some teams are less than 1%. So 14% is the best odds to get that number one pick. But that seems like a number where you're, you know what? Seven out of 50 chance here? 
I don't need to tank. I, I, we can come in second to last, third to last, fourth to last. And I still got a shot to get the number one pick. Mark Cuban got in trouble a few years back when he said it would behoove us to not win these games at the end of the season. He was looking at the draft board. And there was no reason to win those games as far as the Dallas Mavericks owner was concerned. He got in trouble for saying it out loud. There are things you don't say out loud. And one of them is, we should lose on purpose. Integrity of the game, and again, it goes back to gambling. It goes back to gambling. Vegas is smart. If Vegas knows Team B is tanking, then that spread is going to be a little higher. They don't want to win this game. Well, then they just went from being a 10-point underdog to a 15-point underdog. But tanking, it's just a bad optic, optic look. Bad look for the NBA. Uh, all right, some NBA scores last night. We'll uh, go over those and uh, some of the leading scores. The Lakers still haven't won. You know if the Lakers are shooting from three-point land? You'll be interested to find out after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment. On this Tuesday. No Tony Burke tomorrow. Hopefully he'll still send me his lock of the week. He's 7-1 in his college football locks of the week. So in order for me to make any money, he's going to have to send me that lock. Because I'm on board. It took me seven weeks. I I finally said I'm going to listen to this guy. He's got Oregon over UCLA. So I did listen to him. Thank you, Tony. But... Now I got to have another lock, but he's busy tomorrow. Won't be in studio tomorrow. Again, no show on Thursday. Bellarmine against uh, the center colonels. Bellarmine basketball right here on the Big X 11 a.m. on Thursday morning. So no Tony tomorrow. Ed Peak will join me in studio on Friday as he did last Friday. We'll get his three locks. He gave me three this week. He was one and two. So I'm not, I'm not really going to believe in Ed too much right now. All right, NBA last night, Philadelphia got their first win of the year. They beat Indiana and the uh, lowly Pacers 120-106. to James Harden, 29 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, the Sixers are now 1-3 on the season, which is not where they're expected to be. Boston suffered their first loss of the season. They dropped a 3-1 with a 120-102 to loss to the Chicago Bulls. Bulls got uh, 18 points and 23 rebounds out of Nurich Vucevic. Yeah. Gazuntai. Toronto over Miami, 98-90. Fred Van Vliet with 24 points and 9 assists for the Raptors. Uh, Knicks beat Orlando, 115-102. Watched a lot of that game last night. Julius Randle had 25 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly, former Kentucky Wildcat, didn't score, but I think he had Eight assists and seven rebounds. Um, look, the Knicks are the Knicks. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose a lot of games. Julius Randle may be traded uh, before the trade deadline here. 
Houston beat Utah 114-108. That was Utah's first loss of the season. Believe it or not, the Jazz are now 3-1. and one. Uh, Kevin Porter, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists for the Houston Rockets, who got their first win of the season. San Antonio, I mentioned, beat Minnesota 115-106. Memphis over Brooklyn 134-124. A lot of defense in that one. The Brooklyn Nets are now 1-2 on the season. Kevin Durant did have 37 for the Nets. Um, ben Simmons, I think he had 8 points, 5 turnovers, 7 rebounds. Uh, he fouled out at the end of the game. He got baited into fouling John Morant. He was not happy about it. Desmond Bain led the uh, Grizzlies in the win with 38 points. And Portland beat Denver last night, 135-110. to The Portland Trailblazers are 4-0. They are uh, the only NBA team 4-0. They're one of two unbeaten teams. Milwaukee's uh, the other team, but they're only 2-0. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon yet. And I'm not jumping on the Portland bandwagon either. They've won one game in overtime and another game by two points. So their 4-0 is, look, 4-0 is 4-0, right? $20 is $20, as Tony Burke told me a long time ago. Damian Lillard, 31 points, 8 assists for the 4-0 Portland Trailblazers. All right, uh, saw this news late yesterday. Jim Nance has announced this will be the last Final Four he calls coming up uh, in – April of 2023, it'll be the final Final Four for Jim Nance. He'll still, of course, be doing the Masters. He'll still be doing um, NFL football with Tony Romo. So he's certainly not going to be lacking for things to do. Ian Eagle, who I think is great, is going to take over as the voice of the NCAA basketball Final Four. Ian Eagle's great. I have no problem with this. Jim Nance had his run, and he was really good at it. But I do look forward to the Iron Eagle takeover. Very excited for that. All right, college football this weekend. A couple of uh, top 25 games on Thursday. 14th-ranked Utah will be at Washington State. 10 o'clock on FS1. Utah's a 7.5-point favorite there on the road. Virginia Tech and North Carolina State. NC State is ranked 24th. And they are 13.5-point favorites over Virginia Tech. Since I won't be here Thursday, I'll probably give you picks on those games tomorrow. I'm worried about NC State scoring points. Um, the uh, Wolfpack lost their quarterback, Devin Leary, uh, to a uh, shoulder injury. He's done for the season. And since they lost him, they haven't been able to score a lot of points. They lost uh, Syracuse 24 to 9. They beat Florida State. That's when he got hurt 19 to 17. Uh so 13 and a half seems like a lot of points there against arguably one of the worst teams in uh power conference football, Boston Co- uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech did beat Boston College 27 to 10, but they've lost to Old Dominion, West Virginia, a, a not good West Virginia team. They lost to Carolina by 31. They lost to Pittsburgh by 16. And last week, uh, or two weeks ago, lost to the Miami Hurricanes. Virginia Tech, not very good. The question is, can NC State put up enough points to cover 
a 13.5-point spread. That's an ESPN game, 730 on Thursday night. How can Kentucky keep it close against Tennessee? That's a great question, and I don't know that I have the answer. The spread is 12.5. Kentucky's a uh, 12.5-point underdog. Tennessee is averaging 571 offensive yards per game. 571. They're averaging 50.1 points per game. Now, look, I know they they put 59 on Ball State, 65 on Tennessee Martin. I get that. But they also put 52 on Alabama, 40 on LSU, 38 on Florida, and 34 on Pittsburgh. 34 is the lowest number of points that Tennessee has scored this season in seven games. I forgot that 63 burger they put on the Akron Zips. Yikes. So I worry if I'm Kentucky fan, and look, Kentucky's got a good defense, but so does Alabama, right? So does LSU. Passing yards per game, 368.9. Rushing yards per game, 202.9. Well, you got you to take one of those two things away. Last year, Hendon Hooker had his way in Lexington. He is a legitimate Heisman candidate after that win over Alabama. He is. Tennessee scored 46 touchdowns this season. Their opponents have scored 20. Oh, they got a good kicker. They make their field goals. They don't punt. <laughs> Kick return yards, they uh, they don't have a lot of those because they don't have to. You have to run the football against Tennessee. That's it. I mean, it's it's plain and simple. The clock has to be your friend. The clock has to be your friend. The problem is you get behind Tennessee, and a lot of these teams get behind Tennessee, and you throw the game plan away, and you throw the football. We got to get back in this game. How do we get back in this game? We're down 14. We're down 17. How do we get back in it? We got to throw the football. You can't have that mentality. If running is what you do and running has got you where you are and running is part of the game plan to keep the ball away from a high-powered offense, then you have to commit to staying with the run. Tennessee is allowing 91 yards a game on the ground, 2.9 yards per carry. Again, three of those opponents are terrible. Three of the seven opponents are awful. I'll give you that. But the numbers are the numbers. They are hard to run the ball against. Chris Rodriguez, he's going to have to be the guy. He's going to have to be the guy. He's got he's averaging five and a half yards a carry. Uh, he's got 395 yards. In three games this season, 72 carries. He's great. He doesn't fumble. Kentucky has to move the chains. Obviously, you got to strike when you have a chance. Will Levis has really good receivers, and he throws a really good football. And you got to take your shots. I'm not saying don't take your shots. What I'm saying is 
You have to run the football or you go right into the trap the Tennessee sets. The spread did start at 14. It's down to 12 and a half. So the money is coming in on Kentucky. Do I understand it? No. The Cats are ranked 19th again for the second straight week after a bye week. I would normally say this is an advantage for Kentucky coming off of a bye week. Tennessee had to play last week, but Tennessee played Tennessee Martin. So they're coming off a bye week too. Let's be on, let's be brutally honest about it. Uh, money line, Kentucky plus 360, Tennessee minus 480. Over-under in this game, 63-and-a-half. If this over-under gets to the over, Kentucky's in big trouble. Big trouble. Um, that's a big number, 63-and-a-half. But, as I mentioned, 34 are, is the least amount of points Tennessee scored this season. And they've scored 60, uh, 59 or more three times. Plus a 52 spot against Alabama. That one's still... When you look, you just had to look at the score. I saw most of the game and was unbelievably impressed. But if you look at the score, you you just shake your head looking at the score. Tennessee 52, Alabama 49. Louisville is a four-point underdog at home, 3.30, ACC Network on Saturday against Wake Forest. This opened at 6. So here the money is on Louisville. I kind of get that. I kind of get that because Louisville, last couple of night, couple of times out, the defense has been outstanding. Something we didn't think we were going to say this year. Wake Forest, last two games, Boston College and Army, both at home. Uh, look, it's a Louisville team that lost at Boston College, and Wake beat the Eagles 43-15 to last week. So when you do the transitive theory, the transitive property here, that doesn't bode well for the cards. Wake Forest won at Florida State. Florida State won at Louisville. That doesn't bode well. Uh, Wake's loss to Clemson was in double overtime. This is a 10th-ranked Wake Forest team that lives up to their billing. They're 6-1. and one. Their only loss is double overtime to Clemson. They win that game. They're seven and zero. They're probably they're a top five team. Clemson's fifth. They would have beaten Clemson. They would be fifth. I'm guessing. Sam Hartman's back at quarterback. He was out early in the year. This is a Wake Forest team, and again, you got to look at the competition. I get that. Out of conference, they played VMI, Vanderbilt, and Liberty and Army, but they have put up forty four. 45, 37, 45, 31, 45, 43. Um, let me hit this button here, and I'll tell you how many points that is per game. 41.4 points a game. They score the football. They throw the football. Sam Hartman has been great since he's been back. They average 295, almost 300 yards a game through the air. They rush for 143 yards per game. Last week, I loved Louisville with Malik Cunningham coming back. On Wednesday, I said, I love Louisville. On Thursday, I said, not so fast. 
because I looked at the Pittsburgh numbers, and all of a sudden, other than one game, Pitt looked pretty good. So I got a little got a little gun shy there as far as picking the cards on uh, this past Saturday. I'm going to be gun shy again here. Why is it only four? You get three points for being a home team. That's normally what the bookmaker will tell you. Now you get three for being a home team, so it's probably a seven-point spread, actually. Wake Forest. I mean, when you say Power 5 ACC football, the first teams that come to mind are Clemson. Maybe you're old school. You remember Miami. North Carolina is good. Pitt won the conference last year. There are a lot of lot of teams that you name, NC State, before you get to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a real deal here. They are the real deal. I like the 330 game time. You hate the Nooners. I hate being the home team at a noon game because neither team's really ready to play. Last week, 8 o'clock was great. Louisville came out ready to play, especially on defense. They're going to have to do that again Saturday. Thanks to Dave on the other side of the glass for keeping me on the air today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Cartage on the Big X.